Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands. This is episode number 19 and our first post-actual release of episode episode. Oh, it's so good to be able to talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, one thing that you can be free to ask us uh, is uh, if you want us to elucidate any of the cryptic remarks we were making. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because there's uh, I'm I am now in the delightful position of knowing nothing more than anybody else. Like I've not, we've not seen episode three. I don't know any more than you guys know about what's dropping tonight. Um, so I there's like we've uh, seen three scenes that maybe the rest of the world hasn't because they were blipped quickly in uh, London. Mm, but like that's right. Really? Oh, that's right. There was one scene that we. Saw. Oh crap! Okay, so I've seen a tiny little thing that you guys. But it's but it's it it's not much. compared to what we it, have. It really about. does. It really does. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And so first of all, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, uh, many of you have gotten an opportunity to see episode one of uh, episode one and two of rings and realms. Um, that was so much fun. Oh my goodness. I had such a great time, uh, digging in and talking about that. Like I said, this, as I've been saying from the, from when Maggie, when we first saw episodes one and two, um, it, there is so much to talk about in this show. It is it is so delightful to get a chance to sit down and do real analysis. Uh, analysis beats speculation all the time. So I am I am so so happy uh, about that. It's been so much fun for the past week to like be a part of this. You know, mm-hmm. like just the viewing parties and the engagement and the questions yes. we've been getting from people and the views that like the rings and realms show and the Twitter show, like so much fun stuff and so many yeah. neat community members to be able to talk about with this. So yeah. High five yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been, that's been, that's been really great. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, so we're, um, uh, Peter jumped immediately in with a question about uh, any more insight into the stranger. And Peter, I am glad you that asked is because the first thing we were going to talk about. Oh man, like I, there were there were a whole bunch of things when we were planning Rings and Realms. Like first of all, keep in mind there was a really funny. Many of you will really appreciate this. Um, I. <laughs> The first, the, yeah, I'm like you'll notice in the intro episode, I give you like a little overview of what our structure is going to be, and it's like each week we'll give you a summary of the previous episode, and then Corey immediately went, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> yeah, like, like so, I can like a summary. What I want to do instead is themes, and I was like, "Great." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, here is the funny thing, right? We're we're on set, and the crew was setting. We got an awesome crew, Greg and Ian, who'd done so much work for this show, and so they're they're doing the sound. Uh, Ian's running the the digital board in the back, and Greg is running the the robot camera and everything. And um, and so they were like, okay, so um, uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're just gonna shoot this. And I'm like, well, actually, I'd kind of rather shoot it in separate segments because I'm gonna do separate segments. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so each segment's going to be what, like two minutes? And I'm like, five, ten, <laughs> yeah, 10 ish, yeah, somewhere between two and twenty minutes. Each. What Ben told me was that you would agree. Yes, it would be short. And yeah. then when you finished, it was an hour and five minutes of recording. <laughs> exactly. They were. They thought so, we were sitting down to film a twenty-minute segment, and the twenty-minute segment was an hour and five minutes of footage. At the so end. we've got we've got chat on Twitch that's saying things like we need an exploring other minds in hand, and we need exploring rings and realms. It's like yeah, but like the footage not used is still like another whole episode. <laughs> yeah. But we've also decided that we're going to do shorter blips. So 
a lot of stuff will come out on probably like YouTube shorts and TikTok and Instagram and all that other stuff. We're, we're going to play around with this whole social yeah. media and see it because we have a load that we want to talk about. And this episode is already an hour and 37 minutes. So, you know, we'll, we'll try to do some like one minute things here or there. Like, hey, did you notice? And just do a little bit about, you know, production or film adaptation and Corey doing lore and, and some questions, whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's just a lot. There's so much. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I started um, uh, doing some TikToks last night, actually released my first, did you notice uh TikTok video from, uh, from episode one or it was an episode two thing actually. But um, yeah. Cause again, there are just so many things that I was like, Oh, I want to talk about this and that. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't talk about everything in the rings and realms show. So we're going to, we're going to have some extra stuff. But anyway, Peter, back to your question. I was very conscious uh, when we were, it was Tuesday when we were finishing filming, um, the, uh, my Tolkien segment. And I'm like, I never really talked about the stranger at all in this episode. I mean, I alluded to it a few times, but okay. So let's, let's talk about the stranger a little bit. Um, the, um, and this will lead to a, a, a sort of a broader adaptation slash film storytelling, um, question that I have for, for Maggie as well. Okay. So apparently they're struggling to hear me. I don't know if you're able to adjust that or find Um I could probably turn you up a little bit there. Sorry, gang. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, and we apologize. Maggie is uh not in quite the chaos that she was in last week, but she's still on the road. She's not she's not, not home as with dad. her. Uh, I have a babysitter yeah. this time, but yeah, I fly home tomorrow, so hopefully it'll be normal time zone for me and uh the kid will be asleep and good Wi Fi and all that good stuff next week. Yeah. Yeah. So things will be hopefully things will be a little bit better uh, there. But anyway. OK, so um, so the idea. Um, so my, my so let's kind of review some of the stuff that we see from uh, from the stranger. Now, obviously, the two major theories, right, the two major, you know, people seem to generally split between. Uh, you know, he's Sauron or at least something very evil, right, on the one hand, or he's um, a wizard and possibly Gandalf on the other hand, right? Um, and, the, the, you know, clearly there is substantial evidence to support either one of those theories, right. right? If you are really convinced of either one of those things, you will definitely find evidence to make a strong argument in that case. Um, there is n so like, for instance, I'm as I, I continue to be, as I have been in the wizard camp, um, I can see, I, however, let me begin by making the contrary argument, right? There is no question about how the fiery crater especially that shot from above with him in the middle he is in the position his body is in the position of like the cat slit at the middle of the eye the flaming yeah. eye of sauron right it looks it's not a good look right there and that seems very deliberate right in addition of course there's the detail that many people noticed um that i mean it was one of the things that really jumped out at me when i was seeing the thing in the theater the whole thing in the theater for the first time um the business about the the flames not uh, it not being hot when Nori goes in, right? She puts her hand on the hot coals and they're not hot, right? They're glowing coals, but they're not hot. Um, and this, of course, should remind us of the comment that Galadriel made up in the north in what is, I am still going to call, call it in my mind, Utumno, um, which uh, it, where, you know, the elves are noting that the there's not heat coming from their uh, torches. And her explanation of that is that like in in the, there's like so much evil here that the that the, you know, the, the heat of their fire 
is suppressed by that. Um, and so that would seem to be a hint, right? That, okay, if, uh, if fire is suppressing, um, uh, if fire is suppressing, is suppressed by, if the heat of fire is suppressed by evil and there's no heat of the fire in the crater, then he's, you know, QED, he's evil, right? There, you know, so again, there's, it's, that, that and, and that's a strong argument. Like that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that, that's a really strong argument. Um, however, um, uh, there's lots of strong arguments on the other side too. Um, let me explain why I felt that our introduction to the stranger seems to me to fit generally, like the way that he's depicted, the way that he's character, the way that he acts basically, um, seems to me to fit, um, what we see in wizards. Now we have only one account that comes anywhere near giving us a glimpse into like what it's like for the wizards, the experience of being incarnated. Um, because let me back up just a little bit and explain. Remember the, the wizards are originally Maiar. That means lesser, you know, spirits, uh, like minor gods, basically lowercase G, right? This is a word. That's a word, by the way, that Tolkien used for a lot of the time in the earlier years of the Silmarillion. And he shifted away from it, um, because he didn't want to give like polytheistic confusion. It, it is a monotheistic universe. Uh, you know, there's Luvatar is the omnipotent God. Uh, and the others are like these sort of angelic spirits. But Tolkien was kind of backed in a corner because he didn't like using the word God because that sounded like polytheism, which it isn't. And uh, he didn't like using angel because angel is not a name for a category of beings. It's a job description. Um, angel means messenger. And um, which is why when angels appear in the Bible, they're the ones who are coming and are like, I bring you tidings of great joy, right? That's when you know it's an angel because he's bringing a message. Like his job is to is to deliver the mail from God. Um, uh, and that's not the Valar's role, right? Neither the Valar nor the Maiar are, are, are Gabriel. You know, neither of them are, uh, are, are delivering messages from God. And so he doesn't call them angels because he's a Catholic and he, you know, cares about that kind of thing like that. Anyway, Maiar. Lesser spiritual beings, right? Um, the Maiar and the Valar, all of these spiritual beings have the power to embody themselves in a physical form. They can create a physical form that they can use to represent themselves, right? But what that what happens with the wizards are not just that. Gandalf, as we know him in The Lord of the Rings, is not just a spiritual being who is manifesting himself in a physical form and could dis manifest himself, you know, could disapparate at will, um, resume his spiritual form and appear physically somewhere else. That is not, Gandalf doesn't, this is why Gandalf needs a horse. This is why he can get stuck on top of a tower, right? Because he can't just assume his, his spiritual form and float away, right? This is why he's afraid of, he's, he's like actually would be killed if he jumps down upon the spears of the goblins in the Hobbit, right? He's about to uh, commit a brave act, which is going to lead to his own death. And he can, and he does die in Moria after he fights the Balrog. Um, the wizards are incarnate. They are, this is a special process in which they are placed into bodies and joined to their bodies, just like mortals are joined to their bodies. So it's this special process that the wizards go through in order to come over to middle earth. We don't see the, like the process, like what that looks like, except once indirectly. And that once indirectly is Gandalf's reincarnation after his re, when he's incarnated a second time after he dies, 
right? Um, after he returns from the from the dead in Moria. Now, what? Now that of course that's not necessarily a good data point because he's uh, being. It's the second time. It's the only time that, that ever happened to any of the wizards. So um, we don't know that. Uh, but nevertheless, it's still the only glimpse we have into the process. And two things that I would remind folks of is that Gandalf's account is A, when he was reincarnated, he showed up naked. Um, uh, so that a newly incarnated wizard might be found naked and confused is just what you would what we would expect based on Gandalf's account. So that we know that he was he says that he was naked and we can see that he is confused. Remember that weird moment when he uh, first meets Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli and he doesn't remember his own name for sure, right? Um, you know, they, they, you know, Aragorn calls Gandalf. him Gandalf, Gandalf and he's, yeah, Gandalf, uh, uh, yes, yes, I was called Gandalf, right? There's that, and it's only like a brief moment of, of slip, right? Um, uh, from him, he doesn't, he, he does retain uh, and like they come back to him, the memories of his of his former life return to him. Like his former life, like you know, his time in Middle Earth, which just ended in Moria, right? He 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 gets that back, but it's not at all obvious that the minds of the wizards are continuous with all of their memories from Valinor and all of their times before, right? Um, and it certainly does seem that the incarnation process is very disorienting, right? Um, so all of that, uh, the way that the stranger was being depicted, showing up naked and confused. Notice how he's, um, he's, he's eating the snails, right? Um, he's, he's hungry, which seems almost to confuse him. Like he doesn't really understand about eating because um, mm-hmm. he's never like he's never had a body before. Right. And doesn't even know like the way that he eats the snails wrong by chewing up the shells. Right. Again, sort of show like he's. He's a he's a newbie at this whole eating thing. He doesn't know how to manage his body. And again, that would not be the case in a spiritual being who had just manifested a physical body. Right. Um, but a newly incarnated being like that might indeed have that uh, that kind of, you know, I, that was to me a very credible reaction from that. Um, and even even him. The way that he, I mean, I, I really love that scene where Nori eats the snail, right? And he watches her eat and the finger, you know, licking thing that he's like, he's getting the idea, right? Um, anyway, I, all of that felt to me exactly like we were setting up a newly incarnated uh, wizard, just like the incarnation of the wizards that we see um, in, uh, in in other things. Um, uh Meckenbach, it, it's 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 interesting. Meckenbach brings up that it reminds him of Stardust, right? And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, yes, there is a, a sort of an element of that kind of uh, that kind of idea. Um, and I like uh, Pixar's comment of it, it doesn't really matter. The ambiguity is just really interesting, and you can. I mean, I feel like you can tell that the showrunners and the writers put a lot of thought into this to put me purposely plant some yes. seeds in different directions, which I know you and I have talked about about. Yeah. You know, this could absolutely be a filmmaking uh, thing that they're they're using, like a device that they're using to just build some suspense and some tension. Because if they just told us who it is from the beginning, okay, you know. But yes. why not play around with that? Why not let us kind of ponder and, and think on that a bit more? Yeah. Um, and from a layperson's point of view, I mean, I didn't even think about Gandalf, but the second I heard that, was like, oh, yep, I could see that. And the whispering to the moths, the the faint memories, you know, the kind of discombobulation, like, yeah, I could see that. So yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Good. Now, uh, to try to say lots of questions and stuff coming in, trying yeah. to keep up. Nameless Arcanum was asking, what about killing the fireflies? I don't think he did kill them. Um, I was wa- So I was thinking about that very carefully. I, I watched, I don't know, I think four times uh, <laughs> consecutively in, in several days. I watched the first two episodes. And here's one of the things that really struck me. Um, the, he, the fireflies collapse when he collapses. Like, it correlates not with, like, an action of his. Had he been, like, doing the thing with the fireflies, and then he just made, like, a dismissive gesture and they all dropped dead, that would have looked seriously ominous, right? But if you watch carefully, what happens is he's doing the things with the fireflies, talking to them, and then and then he himself collapses un- into unconsciousness on the ground. And when he collapses, the fireflies drop as well. Um, so there's clearly, like there was some kind of power that he was giving them, the loss of which did lead to the deaths of the like an energy share Yeah, I, I don't know. I, so, I mean, I'm not saying I, I like know exactly how to read that. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to be interested to place that in the context of what we see coming later to try to understand that better. But the more I watched that, the less like obviously ominous it seemed to me, if you see what I mean. Like it, it was it was not a, like I didn't I did not think he was killing them. Uh, for sure, um, they did die as a consequence of his actions, right? Of his of, of what he was doing, um, but not exactly, um, not exactly. In, uh, um, but again, it, it wasn't like he was, you know, I'm going to use them and then I'm going to, you know, destroy them in a way that would have been a huge, huge red flag. Um, and Darren, I do agree. The music turns ominous, right? Um, but see. This is getting where I I don't know how much I can trust all of the data points that we're getting. Um, and I guess we can, I don't want to leave, there's much more that I wanted to say and talk about about the, about the stranger. I want to address the Gandalf question and the, the what he's drawing on the rock and the constellation stuff. I think there's more there. Um, but well, no. Okay, let me go ahead and talk about that, and then I'll come back to the um, uh, to um, the comment uh, from who was that from Darren uh, about the music turning ominous and stuff. Um, okay, well, no. One quick thing, Darren, it, that I would say about that is, to me, the music felt like a reflection of their own feelings about that. Like they are clearly freaked out. Poppy is freaked out. Poppy's crying right when she's watching the firefly die. And she and Nori are both clearly upset and creeped out about what's happening, and understandably so, right? So I felt like the music was cueing us to like the mood of the scene and their pers- their you know to help us to engage in their experience of what's going on, um, and that they are confused and that this looks bad. I guess it's supposed to look bad, right? I think it's supposed to create doubt, uh, certainly for them and presumably for us as well. But let me let me go over a couple other things. What he was drawing on the rock were clearly the constellations, right? Not only because we saw those same things in the sky and Nori's like, I know, it's constellations, right? But if you look carefully at the rock, you can see he actually has, like, the shapes that he's drawing. He draws stars at the intersections, right, at the joints of all the lines. Um, it's pretty clear that he's not just writing in runes. He's drawing the constellations on the rock. Um, so... It is true that the one constellation we see him drawing a lot looks a little bit 
like the G rune, but it's not the G rune. The branches are on the wrong side um, of the thing. So like, it's I was always making jokes about it being like it's backwards G rune. It's like satanic backmasking of Gandalf, right? Um, no, I'm joking. That I don't, <laughs> I don't actually think that. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, I I I do. Um, uh, I, 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 I think it's it's definitely the constellations now. Why the constellations? What do we see about the constellations? Well, the one thing that we see about the constellations is that Nori and Poppy don't know them, right? They don't recognize those constellations. And that can only mean one thing. We, look, Nori, Nori and Poppy, people living know. like that, they, they know those guys, right? I mean, there's no question. Even apart from the fact that we see, you know, uh, Sadek actually, like, you know, uh, uh, reading the skies and mapping the stars and everything, we know they're going to know all of the local constellations. They don't know these constellations. That can only mean one thing, and that is these are Southern Hemisphere constellations, right? Um, a, from, a, from a place where the stars are strange, to quote Aragorn's line in The Lord of the Rings, right? Um, which, of course, itself echoes the line, or rather Sadok's line echoes that line earlier with the skies are strange when he says that, right? Um, so we are, we're almost like primed to remember that line from the Lord of the Rings when Aragorn refers to where the stars are strange, which is in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so I, um, I, yes, I absolutely believe that what he's doing um, is telling them, like the first thing he's trying to communicate to them is where he needs to go where he wants to go, that he has this picture of where he wants to go, and it's south of where they are. Yeah, I, south had where the was really, are I had somebody that was really pushing the no, it's where he's come from. Um, and I think there's just too much of a drive that he has yeah. arrived, he has a purpose, he has a mission. I, did, I definitely didn't get the feeling that he was lost. No, no, definitely not. He's confused, but he's not yeah. lost. And what's more, like, Nori wants to know where he's from, so that's what she's asking about, right? But remember, he's drawing the constellations on the rock before she even shows up that morning, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, I mean, and I don't think he woke up in the morning and was like, um, let me attempt to communicate where I've come from, right? Like, right. that's, that's it, no, so I agree, Maggie, that seemed to be all about his purpose, right? And yeah. the only question was, like, Nori is kind of joining herself to that purpose. Had she not come, like, I don't think he's going to go hunting for her, right? right. As, far as, as far as she's concerned, She's connected to him, and he's her responsibility. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't yeah. remember that, right? So, so you, you when, when you're thinking about these things that he's drawing on the rock, he's not drawing on the rock for her benefit, right? He's not trying to communicate anything to her. I don't think anyway. I don't think that. I mean, he clearly doesn't does, doesn't even immediately recognize her when he sees her, right? So, um, so I think that that any attempt to like communicate where he's from is logically totally outside the frame of what he's doing when he's carving on the rock. Um, so, uh, so I, but, but that it should be about his purpose that he awakes with some sense of like, I have to go here. I have to do this. This is what I need to do. That's what it feels to me and seems therefore also to connect with Nori's speech about there being some purpose for this. Like she was meant to find him, right? Again, we're being prompted to think that there's a, there's a reason, right? There's a thing that needs to happen. There's a, there's a thing that's going to be accomplished. And then he starts pointing in these, um, in these directions. So, um, uh, anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so that was, that was another thing. Um, and, and again, this is just, this is making me, this, it's another thing that makes me think again, clearly wizard, right? The wizards were incarnated and they were sent over for, for a purpose. Like, and so that the very first that he would be discombobulated, not know his own name because he's not been given a name yet really. Sure. Right. Um, because uh, he's not exactly the same person that he was in a sense. Again, he's been incarnated now anew in a new body. In a sense, he doesn't even have a name, right? Um, and there aren't any others like him uh, as Nori. Uh, and again, what a delightful little glimpse into the Harfoot culture, right? The way in which Nori assumes, like, well, obviously there must be others like you. Yeah. Or, and also, and, and like, and that sense of pity, like, you've been separated from your family, right? Yeah. From your your clan. This must be hard for you. Tell me about your people, right? We, you know where. I, I love that that kind of underpinning. We also have the foundations beforehand of her interest in in the other. So like the the awe of the other was just lovely to see. But then there was this real connection of compassion where she wanted to help him, and that we didn't see. Like there's one thing about being a small insular group and dreaming of wandering. Like that's kind of a trope mm -hmm. we're familiar with. But having someone who dreams of wandering but is also engaged with that person and wants to help them and is motivated, I thought yeah. that was lovely. And also the insight into the culture with the signing and things like that. Yeah, love the signing. My name is Nori, but my name is Nori. Like that I, I don't know. There was just a moment there where I was like, Of course they sign their name. I don't know. It was just such a lovely moment well, to be like it's Especially given given secrecy, I mean, like clearly they're going to yeah. be prepared to communicate to each other across distances, like we saw right. them all hiding and everything at the beginning. Um, um, so yeah, the, that idea, um, and it was funny. It was like one of the cool things that I felt experiencing that was that um, I didn't pick it up any faster than the stranger did. Right yeah. when she's like, "I'm Nori," I was like, "Okay, so this sign means my name is right, right?" Same. And I'm like, "Okay," yeah. and, and so like, so so. Right. He does this again. And I'm like, I would have done the same thing. I'm like, you know, I would have like, well, my name is, well, Corey, which yeah. rhymes with hers, which is, which is hard. But anyway, I, I would be like, oh, well, th this is my name. And, but, it, but then she corrects him. She's like, no, 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 no. My name is Nori. Right. Like, I got, so I guess that's, that sign means her. Right. Um, and anyway, I just, I, I thought that was that, that whole, the way that I felt really kind of brought into that experience of, yeah. of like learning that communication was really, was really fun. Um, but, um, uh, anyway, so, so yeah, so think he's a wizard, think he's leading her, he's going to be leading her south. Um, I think they're going to end up in Mordor. The soundtrack suggests to me that they're going to end up in Mordor in any case. Um, uh, and by the way, the, what he says, the words that we hear, uh, from him, um, uh, as far as we can see, I mean, based on the subtitles, um, he's saying Mana Ure, which translates from Quenya into something like, what is the heat? Uh, literally, like the, the first word is a, is a, it's an interrogative word. Like what is, where is, where is the heat? What is the heat? What is the fire? Um, that's seems to be what he's talking about. Another word, Mana also can mean blessed, uh, like holy, blessed. Um, but that's with a, a long vowel at the beginning. Um, and given that they put the, um, they did put in the diacritics, they did put in like the dots above the E, you know, in Ure uh, and everything. I'm assuming they didn't just make a mistake and forget the accent over the first A, which means it's a short A, which means it, it's the interrogative instead. Um, so, 
Now, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Um, uh, but of course, it's hard not to connect it with the phenomenon we were describing before about the fire and the heat, right? Um, was he himself confused in some way by that? Um, uh, you know, is this is that because he seems upset about it, right? This, you know, is he is he is he he's alarmed by this in some way? I don't know. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, I. Um, so obviously that's another thing that I'm going to be watching. But again, attention seems to be being drawn, uh, uh, being being drawn to that. Um, no, Phil, that wasn't in the context of the firefly scene. It was well before that. He was saying that at the rock carving scene, at the, like when Nori was trying to communicate with him, and she thought he was like saying his name or something. Like she wasn't. She had no idea what he was what he was saying when he was uh, when he was talking about that. But. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna have to wait that long. I hope, yeah. Tr- Trish is hoping we won't have to wait till season five to find out about him. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think we'll have. I- some... I'm guessing a couple more episodes because he's clearly yeah. very important. So I'm guessing another episode or two. But it's possible they could drag it up to the end of the season. But I would be very surprised to see that. I think he needs to have more of a purpose as a, a character that moves the plot along. That they have to identify him at some point. But I think this ambiguity really works. I was asked earlier in the chat about loose ends or the the showrunners and the directors and whatnot, not concerned about loose ends. I don't think there are loose ends when you're doing it like this, you know, just mm-hmm. speculation about the character just shows us that the writers knew what they were doing and they are researching the bits and pieces that we might look into because if they'd just done like a wizard with stars on his hat, then we'd be like, Oh my God, what are you trying to do? But they're planting yeah. these little seeds of things that we might talk. And right. that's a nice little nod. So I, I don't think they're loose ends. I think they're clues. And if those clues don't end, end in the answer that we originally thought, then that doesn't mean they're wrong and it's just left there hanging. It just means there's a different solution. Yeah. And all that kind of contributes to lovely pacing and things like that. So I, I don't think there's going to be loose ends. Um, I'll have to think if there's other things that were planted, but it's not like they started a storyline and it disappeared. They're planting some seeds that we're trying to put that puzzle together and coming up with a solution. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just a quick response to Tim, who was asking uh, how many of the insights in the show were known to or come from the showrunners. Um, almost nothing came from them. I'm, I'm not dealing inside information. I'm just talking about what I see. Um, there were one or two times when I've been, I mean, there are a couple things. I mean, I've talked with the showrunners a few times and heard them talk a few times. So I've, um, you know, there's some of the things that they've said that have kind of influenced me. Um, that is, I'm one of the things that I'm kind of clinging to that they were talking about in New York was the way in which what we're seeing at the beginning of this show is the very beginning of these characters. It's the beginning of a long story and much is going to develop and change. Um, This is what I keep coming back to when people are like, you know, Galadriel in this show is nothing like Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings. And the answer is no, not yet. Right. But they, they spoke explicitly about that. Like, how they conceived of the Galadriel character in the show they were explaining was they were looking at Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings and saying, how does she get there? Right. And the thing that I thought Maggie was so fascinating that they were talking about there um, was they, they were talking about her rejection of the ring, what she says to Frodo. Um, not only that she rejects the ring, but the reason why she rejects the ring, they were saying that this shows a remarkable amount of self-knowledge on her part. Yeah, like she knows what she would do if she yeah. took the ring, 
right? Um, she is really in tune with her own temptations and her own, you know, uh, her own bad inclinations. And she knows like she, 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 one way to sort of summarize what she says to Frodo is I can't be trusted with the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be trusted. And I know I can't be trusted. And I'm aware of that. So I'm going to step back. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were saying their question was when, when they were sitting down to plan the show and write the show, they're like, where does this, where does she get this self-knowledge, right? How does she, what is the process by which Galadriel learns about herself enough so that when like the Lord of the Rings happens, she is in that place where she is. Um, so it's, it's all about like, how did she get to be the person that she, we see her to be? Um, I do think that so many people tend to just picture Tolkien's elves as static, Right, that they're this like this continuous, unchanging. That is not how he describes them, and, and, and certainly really not how I think they must story. be. Yeah, it like, would be a really would, boring story. Why would you just want a static anybody? Um, yeah. We've got to come in here, arcs, people, arcs. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I also remember the showrunners talking a lot about season one being uh, focused on getting us to care about the world that we're in. Yes. So, so much of this is just establishing who the main players are and getting us to care about them. I have to say that's one of the things I'm a little concerned about because I don't care that much yet. There were very few like human connections that I felt, yes. but there's so much groundwork being laid that yes. we've got a whole season to make sure I care. <laughs> um, yep. But I do think that's one of the big things. Like right now, they're just trying to get us to be aware and engage and care. And then we'll start to see more of this art and character development. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Randy was asking, are the showrunners aware of the Harfoot story having a memorable impact on Second Age events? Uh, what I believe Randy to be referring to is the fact that there are references to the fact that nobody tells stories about things that hobbits did uh, earlier on. And so, therefore, um, you know, if the hobbits end up being front and center uh, of you know, the events of the Rings of Power series, that that would seem to be counter to what Tolkien said. There are a couple things that I would say there. Number one, um, we're thousands of years away from the characters who were saying that in The Lord of the Rings. Um, and f- so first, so first, no matter what happens, there's a whole lot of time for the details of how that went down to get forgotten, right? Um, second thing, don't forget who said that. Um, so often I hear people saying, quoting the Lord of the Rings and saying, Tolkien said, quote, right? And it's like, no, 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 no. That character said that at this point in the story and from within his frame of knowledge, right? That does not mean Tolkien laid that down as a law, right? What that quote means is that the Shire Hobbits the modern Shire hobbits of the Third Age are themselves unaware of any knowledge that other people have. And yeah. they f- they perceive and feel that uh-huh. nobody else talks about them or remembers them. It doesn't even mean that there isn't anybody in the world who does, right? Um, there are some other people in the world who do testify to the fact that they knew nothing about hobbits, right? Um, uh, like the Rohirrim for instance, right? Though they have some legends and, th- you know, they, so they in some ways remember more than others. Um, but, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, there is actually plenty of counter evidence within the story of the Lord of the Rings counter to that one sentiment, right? That nobody remembers them. Well, why do they have a word for halfling in Gondor? 
right? Why are they so quick to say, oh, yes, there's a kingdom of halflings in the north and this and Pippin is their prince, right? Um, there's there's you know, there's a lot of fancy that's coming just from seeing Pippin for the first time. But um, but the reaction to Pippin in Minas Tirith is not what is this freak? Right. Um, or, you know, they, they, they seem to have category. They seem to have a category there. So, again, there's and so perhaps there is even in Gondor some memory of this that perhaps is clearer than the memory in Rohan. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful even with that. It's not as simple as a lot of people uh, make that be. But but in answer, Randy, to your question, are they aware of this? Oh, yeah, they're, they're totally aware of that stuff. I'm I am. Um, I think let me say this. Everybody makes mistakes and nobody remembers everything all the time. But I will say this, I am, I think that any argument about the rings of power that is based on a presumption of ignorance in the showrunners is a foolish argument. Like it's, it's, it's foolish to argue that way. Again, I'm not saying they're always going to remember everything and they're never going to make mistakes, but to pre- just presume, oh, they probably don't know this or oh, there's really, there's, there's, there's really no chance that they're going to be, re- don't presume that they yeah, know their stuff. And that's one of those things too when you when you think about adaptation of just there's so many different ways to tell that story. So don't presume that they don't know their stuff. They know their stuff, but there's a million different ways for them to show that. And if the way that they chose is not the way that you would have chosen, then that's gonna be right. jarring. Or if the way that they chose doesn't seem clear to you, that's the way that you interpret as well as how they show. So there's so many different levels that have to be considered here that they're trying to make the best decision to get that idea across that they can. So the yeah. wide, wide audience will understand it, but the lore will make sense. Does that make yeah. sense? So like trying to put it all together. And and sometimes I think that can be one of the most difficult things for a filmmaker because sometimes they might have to make a decision that isn't the creative decision they would want because they want something more convoluted. You know, they want something a little bit more subtle, but right. it wouldn't be understood. So you got to have a little bit of that in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to come back to another illustration um, of this whole, like, it's the beginning of their arc, Gilgalad, right? If the first two episodes that we saw had been a feature film, right? So, like, we're done. Like, if, if that had been the thing, I would be saying, I hated Gilgalad. Oh, man, I thought they did Gilgalad dirty in that movie, right? Um, I did not like how he was. Do- I'm, I'm not a fan of how. And in the sense of, like, his character, I didn't like him. I'm not saying I disapprove of their choices. I'm saying I, it, it, he did not appeal to me at all. Um, his authority, the extent of his authority was like weird, right? It was super strange. So, however, this is the very beginning and he was a very minor character in that yeah. episode. And I assume we're going to be seeing a great deal more uh, of him, uh, of him uh, later on. Um, oh, and... Hello from Turkey uh, to know, everybody like, from what? Turkey who has just joined us. Yes, Hello. <laughs> we just got raided uh, uh, by our friends from uh, from Welcome from raided. from Ortadunya. So uh, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. I just I did a I, I did a discussion uh, with them on their Twitch channel at Ortadunya um, yeah. uh, last week. It was it was a lot of fun. So uh, so hi everybody over okay. from Turkey. Hello. All of a sudden um, our chat started going woo. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, I also there was one comment way earlier on. I just want to. Everybody's talking about these cups of wine. They went into the woods holding cups of wine, and then the cups disappeared. Yep, continuity error. Just think of it as a a, a game. You know, if you catch a continuity error, good for you, gold star. There's going <laughs> right. to be a continuity error in every film you ever watch. 
If you yes. haven't found it yet in any other film, just keep looking, you'll find one. So yeah. congrats, Gold Star, you found a continuity error. <laughs> yeah. They, they're going to happen. In some ways, I, so it even that kind of a detail to me can kind of works for the, like kind of works for the story in this, in this sense, right? Elrond shows up to go Adriel with two cups of wine, which tells us something about like his intentions, right? About sort of the context, right? That he's coming to her as a friend in this sort of social, and this is not like I have come with a message from the high King kind of situation, right? He, yeah. He's approaching her as a friend, right? They're going to, you know, drink. Right. Also, the desire to like celebrations are happening. Right. We just saw the fireworks and he's got wine. Right. There are celebrations happening. Go out and celebrating. Right. She's not only physically separated from the group, but she is not in celebratory frame of mind at all. And so there's also this implicit him trying to include her. But they don't end up standing there drinking cups of wine. Right. Because that is not how the conversation goes at all. She is not interested um, and in fact, what ends up happening, instead of him drawing her into the celebration, she draws him out of it, right? Yeah. Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that's not a continuity error, but like, but it, it works. works for yeah. me. <laughs> like, it yeah. actually, I, I liked it. Problem that they didn't just put the cup down. Sure, that would be an easy way. To, but if that's the bit that you're distracted by, just chalk it up to an error and, and move on with the actual connection that happened in that scene, which was pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like um, to see that visually, I I thought that was lovely. The faces in the trees and the lighting and the fireworks reflected in the trees. Yeah. Just in terms of composition, I thought that was a stunning shot. And then the emotion that was kind of tied to that and the conversation that the two of them had. That was that was good. That was a good relationship builder. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. So I um uh I want to come back to the larger question then, Maggie, I wanted to talk to you about, because this is something that's, I have to admit, a little bit hard for me. So my main, uh, my main process, right? Like what I do is make careful observations about things, like notice stuff, make careful observations, look at the patterns in the observations and draw conclusions from that. Like I'm a close reader. This is what I do all the time, right? Um, And I find myself... Uh, moderately frustrated by active misdirection, right? When my data pool is corrupted by deliberate false information, right? Um, And I feel like that's definitely happening. Um, And that seems to me like a kind of a part of the whole like streaming show thing. Like the, um, it it, it seems to me attached to the genre. Am, Am I right about that? I mean, do you feel like active misdirection of, um, not just in marketing materials, like not just in trailers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, but within the show itself, yeah. that active misdirection uh, it's, is, a, is a major part of like this sort of whole genre? Yeah, I, mean, I think that would be the major part of most dramas, especially if you're talking about something that's going to span as long as this is. I, I don't think it's a gimmick, so I don't think it's like a ploy or a trick, but you know, we were talking earlier, if you think about any crime story, any novel that involves some sort of crime fiction or, or solving a crime, of course there's misdirection because if they just told you the plot, there's no mystery there. So having an element of mystery. So any story that has an element of mystery, which could be a chick flick, does the boy like the girl? You know, I mean, there's so many different ways that that can be. So yeah, I think misdirection is absolutely purposeful here, but the way they're misdirecting, I I love that you said corrupted your data pool because (laughs) that's a way to phrase it. When you're, 
when you're building your data based on something that people know a lot about, you have to be careful about your misdirection. Because if you're planting a seed that isn't believable, they're going to find you out and not just know that that's a fake storyline, but also question your integrity as a writer and storyteller. So if you're going to corrupt the data pool, you got to be smart. <laughs> you got to be yeah. careful. That's the thing. Really good job of that. And, you know, the marketing we've talked about because this whole Galadriel Halbrand thing is really making people uncomfortable. And are yes. they actually going to try to portray that as a romance? And like today, something came out from Emmy Magazine actually quoting that as a potential romance. And everyone's like, wait, saw that. But again, saw like that. we're talking about the unreliable narrator that you were talking about before. The Emmy Magazine is an unreliable narrator. They are working with the information that they have. And they're drawing this conclusion that there's going to yeah. be a rolling Albert and Gladstrill. We don't know that. Right. They don't know that. They're right. inferring one trailer. Maybe they have secret knowledge we don't have, but we don't know that. Yeah. And we can't even be sure that the, if they do have secret knowledge we don't have, that that secret knowledge is knowledge of the whole story, right? I mean, they it still may be knowledge that they've been given, which is still led uh, to lead them to that conclusion. And no, I'm exactly. Not I, assume, and I'm not going to assume that any magazine has more knowledge of Tolkien lore than you do. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you mean, never know who works there, but 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 I but agreed. Agreed. I mean it's I think misdirection is also really useful in a story like this because it, it's a long game. Like we had said this from the beginning, we are in this for the long game. And yeah. I've had a, a lot of friends message me in the last week being like, What do you think? What do you think? I'm not engaging in that because I'm like, I don't know, I'm two episodes in. Let's let's see what the next forty some have and yeah. And I, I think the misdirection right now is just so leading into Facing and suspense and engagement of, of us caring it makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm really okay good. with that. I mean, it's so I'm just as a consumer of books and and film and TV. I am not somebody who um, I'm very patient. Like I I don't. There are a lot of people who will be like, oh, it didn't really hook me, so I put it down. Like I don't do that. Like it's oh, see, it, I do that. I give things like. 20 pages and if oh, I'm not no. in I'm out no. but that's good so I guess that means this works for both of us because right exactly it's exactly. engaging me in terms of it's not leading me astray or confusing me and for you it's not enough for you to be turned off from the story and right so here's the thing that would turn me off about the misdirection I can um, like again my data pool is not complete Right. So, you know, I talked about it's corrupting my data pool. What I mean is like I'm giving all this I'm being I'm beginning all this stuff, which is data, but it's it seems to be pointing in a deliberately other direction. Right. Um, you know, it's the, the data is clearly pointing in multiple directions and it's it's almost impossible to draw a definitive conclusion in either direction deliberately. Right. And I'm OK with that. I can be I can put up with that. But here's what I need to see. Right. Where I will become disappointed by it is if it turns out like something which is merely a red herring, right? Like something which is included because like this is designed to look important, but it's going to turn out actually to be meaningless. That bothers me. Um, that's a loose end. That's, that's a loose end, right? Yeah, then I, then I, I feel, I feel like lied to yeah. <laughs> basically, right? Yeah, or, or like cheapened, you know? Like yes. I remember seeing the adaptation of the end of the Harry Potter series where they introduced the mirror shard where you can see through one side, but they never explain where it came from. And that was so pivotal to that character development for me. You right. only told me a quarter of the story. So right. that three quarters lost, makes me mistrust you, lessens the impact. There's so many factors that kind of get played into that. Yeah. Exactly. If you give me a loose end, 
I'm going to have issues. But right. if you plant seeds and clues that lead down one path, but actually they all make sense for this path too. They make sense. in exactly, exactly. If, if once we know the answer, I can go back and watch those scenes and now 100% of the data makes sense in the new context. Right? If there are things yeah. that are going to contextualize it in a new way that will make it work, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'll be fine yeah. with that. And I, I will absolutely forgive them for like, for, you know, feeling like I'm being led around and, you know, down false trails at this point. I can yeah. put up with that so long as it all works later on. And so Alicia says this too, our Tolkien did engage in deliberate misdirection when Gandalf the White shows back up. And we saw that in Peter Jackson adaptation too. For you know, yeah, a couple minutes, we up. all thought that was Sauron. We thought that was the White or, Wizard. Saruman, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, sorry, Saruman. Yeah. And cover your ears and don't let him speak and all these things. Right, right. You know, right. it's safe to assume that it was Saruman. And so then when Gandalf the White appears, you're like, oh, that makes sense too. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, Morgan dear, she means uh, like the, the the that actual moment when Gandalf first appears to them, and yeah. uh, and both they and we the readers, but you know have reason to believe our, that our it is Saruman, not Gandalf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I agree. So it's again, I'm not I'm not saying like it's a, it's a it's a bad thing, but it's it's something that I I is sort of um, uh, sort of a frustration to me again, especially as somebody again. This is not I do not derive principal pleasure from surprise and mystery and you know i'm uh, um once i've once i've committed to watching a reading something i am committed to watching or reading it i get i have to i'm like the opposite of what you described where you give something 20 pages and then you'll you'll give up on it like me i have to be like forced out like i have to be i have to be repelled wow. by a very strong force to not finish reading something that i've started reading oh like i'm it's, way too ADD for that <laughs> yeah but, I mean, and it's, I it's, it's the same thing with shows like i don't start a show if i'm not ready to watch however many seasons of it exist you know or even go like this is why it was a big deal to me um one of the reasons i hadn't seen doctor who for a really long time a lot of people may remember years ago it was like 2013 or something when i finally watched doctor who for the first time there was a reason i'd never watched it and the reason i'd never watched well, yeah, because like I knew that there were like twenty four old seasons too. That like yeah. once I once I crossed that threshold, I was gonna watch like all the classic Who and all the modern Who. Like I was that that's how I that's how I do it. Right, that's how I operate. So like it's a commitment, and so I didn't make the commitment until I was ready to go. You know, so so yeah, that, that's me. Right. All right, but, we digress. Yeah, uh, we do. We do. Oh, there's um, something I was gonna say in there, but like basically, I think the planting of the seeds is vital. Because if you're planting those clues, building the suspense, all of that just keeps you going. And surely they would want to do that on purpose. Because that's also the stuff that makes people engage after the episode has ended. If it was just a straight story, we'd all be sharing summary with each other. Whereas it's not. It's speculation, it's thought, and what's that guy? Who's this? And what are they going to do? So you need that kind of speculation. But this is grounded in lore speculation, which is really cool. So it gives you water cooler talk at the office. It gives you chat board conversations or Reddit discourse kind of, you know, ability to engage with people and to make it a really good conversation. So I like that this this deliberation has come up between the Gandalf and Blue Wizard thing because you know that they're hitting on some good notes if people are really wondering this. Yeah, so let's so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Gandalf thing because we didn't talk about that yet. Let me tell you from in, in advance, I am actively hoping it's not Gandalf. That doesn't mean I'm 100% convinced it isn't Gandalf. I'm just telling you, 
my like my own desire is you that it not be. I want to see Gandalf. the blue wizards. I want to yeah. see the blue wizards. I want to see the blue wizards. I, I don't I don't dislike Gandalf. I'm saying and 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 there are some things I certainly agree with the many people who find it very attractive that like what we're gonna get in there if it is Gandalf what we're getting is like the backstory of his connection to hobbits. I'm not saying that isn't cool. Like that will to me be the uh, the moderating factor, right? Um, that 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 that's what will moderate my disappointment if it turns out to be Gandalf. But I hope it's not Gandalf. I hope it's one of the blue wizards. Um, and by the way, I still I still think that it is. Um, I think that there have been deliberate Gandalf connections. Um, I absolutely acknowledge that for people who believe that it's Gandalf and and or wanted to be Gandalf, you have lots of data to support that yeah. that evidence uh, that, that, that that conclusion rather. Um, there's a, even apart from the sort of circumstantial stuff of his uh, the connection to hobbits and everything like that, um, but even direct evidence from the film. Um, yes, uh, when he looms over Nori and the trees bend in and the shadow falls over the sun. Yes, it looks very very similar to the cinematography in Bag End when Gandalf the Grey is uncloaked confronting Bilbo. Right? Yes, that looks a lot like the effect that Gandalf had there. Um, Yes, the whispering to the fireflies is very like film Gandalf whispering to the moth, right? There are lots of... But we don't of... know that Gandalf's the only one that did that either. You no, know? exactly, so... exactly. Yeah. Did you um, see the comment at the very, very beginning? Sorry, I don't remember who said it, but I'm like, talk about a red herring. Somebody said something about, did you notice five people looked up? What if there were actually five wizards? Yeah, I saw that. I, I... I was like... <laughs> I, so like... I dislike arguments made on the principle of Occam's razor, but that feels to me like an Occam situation. Yeah. But more than that, um, the reason I disbelieve that they were five separate, you know, meteors or whatever, um, is that especially coming as it did at the very end of episode one, um, thinking about the whole narrative flow of episode one, the streaking of the meteor across the sky which we first see with Galadriel in the boat right um you know when Galadriel is but you know so it starts with Galadriel and then it ends with um well it doesn't end with Nori Nori's the aftermath right it ends with Galadriel jumping into the water right as well that coincides with that but but the way that the meteor streaking across the sky seemed to be operating as this through line that's connecting all of the storylines along the way, um, that just felt to me really compelling. And, uh, I also, and yeah, I just yeah. don't think they would split the story. I mean, everything we've heard from the showrunners and everything too, it's the stranger. Like he, he is a singular entity that we need to discover because his storyline is important. I don't think they would fan it out into five now. So there, yes, like, like there are five like strangers we haven't even met. Or four other strangers right. we haven't even met yet. I like know. that idea. Yeah. It's nice to think about things differently and be like, oh wow, I hadn't hadn't thought about that. But yeah, in terms of through line and character and importance and how it's featured in all the trailers and, and everything else, I'm like this this guy has to be a singular entity that's going to be quite integral. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> Meow says one stranger per season. So what are, are, are the others in hibernation? Like they're, yeah. they're, they're like little pods embedded themselves and will hatch, you know, two years from now. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yes. Um, uh, Zayden, I also am very curious why the fire and coals weren't hot to Nori. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is whether or not that again was a mystery to, um, uh, to meteor man himself or not to the stranger as well. Um, but, um, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I don't know. Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, like I, I still, um, I'm hoping for a blue wizard. And so I know that like my own desire here, uh, uh, can, and uh, can always be prejudicing my, my interpretation. Um, I think I see lots of evidence for wizard. Um, but I don't see any smoking guns that says it's Gandalf yet. Um, I think that we're supposed to associate him with Gandalf. I think that they're one, I think that they are using the visual cue. And this is why I believe, by the way, notice that the references I was pointing to that I think are the clearest references to connect the stranger to Gandalf are all visual allusions to the films, not references to the books. And I think that's important. Um, because I think there are several places in these two episodes where we can see them making visual allusions to the Lord of the Rings films yeah. in order to prompt us in certain ways. Right. Yeah. Um, because there's even if you don't think about it, even if you don't recognize like, they're clearly assuming that the vast majority of people who are watching this show have seen the Lord of the Rings films before. And that many people who watch this show will be very familiar with the Lord of the Rings films. Right. And so there are ways in which some of these similarities are going to impact us without even, even if we don't process it, even if you yeah, don't. Yeah, I mean, it. just kind of that, that familiarity. And Lily Bell said it earlier. It's probably good for new viewers to have hooks. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think there's any problem for us having some familiarity. And I remember with Lotro back in the early days of designing Lord of Rings Online, where they were saying, well, no, we don't have the rights to, you know, obviously put Frodo in there. But if you happen to notice that that character looks familiar, we don't mind that, you know? Right, we don't mind that, yeah. Clear. yeah. It's fine if you make that, that connection and it feels familiar. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I think that th that's something something that we can see. But again, you, so, so again, I think that we're being given visual cues to prompt us, e at least subconsciously, to associate the stranger with Gandalf. Um because I think it's it's helping us to sort of contextualize his relationship with Nori and Poppy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, let me make a prediction. I'm going to predict that Poppy is going to be, at the end of the day, one of my very favorite or one of my least <laughs> favorite characters in the whole show. I'm not sure which. I'm hoping for most favorite. And here's the reason. Poppy is plainly being paralleled with Sam Gamgee. Right. She is the Sam Gamgee analog of this show. Um, that was clear, I felt, uh, in that first episode. If, you know, Nori is in this sort of Frodo-esque, like basically that Nori and Poppy are like Frodo and Sam. Not exactly. There are lots of differences. Right. But the uh, the I I was I was feeling that very clearly when watching episode two, especially. Um, and um, I am uh, I am. So therefore, I'm watching Poppy closely, uh, both yeah, with. Poppy's yeah. barely registering for me. I love yeah. Nori. Poppy's barely registering for me. That's really interesting. Well, I, I, what I'm mostly noticing about her is the is like her position, like her her the parallel to Sam in the narrative, which for me, I mean, most of you guys know 
Sam Gamgee, best character in the Lord of the Rings. So like, as soon as I like am perceiving that parallel, I'm like, okay, my expectations now through the roof for Poppy, right? Um, and we're sick, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching with great interest. And no, uh, Meow was saying she thought I was opening my mouth to say Poppy at the end of the day will become a Nazgul. Um, I'm hoping that that is not the case <laughs> for sure, um, but or that she is Sauron in disguise, JJ. I, I also don't think that, um, but um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah. Um, go, yeah, to the bottle I go, and um, uh, uh, in Twitch and uh, Chappelle in uh, YouTube. Uh, so we're so they were thinking uh, uh, more like Mary and Pippin. That too. I mean, I think that there's we have two pairs of hobbits essentially in the Lord of the Rings. We have one pair of hobbits so far uh, in this film, um, and we get the parents as well, who I think have an important role. Um, uh, I'm especially. Um, I'm really excited now with the broken ankle. I'm really looking forward to seeing where Largo mm. goes um, because I think he's going to be really instrumental here. But and I um, think it'd be really problematic if we could see an exact replica of the Hobbits we know. That's that's not what we're here for. These yeah, no, it's it, it's not about that. But again, like it's, yeah, the familiarity. It's, yeah. The 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 hope I have is based on like the the sort of the role in the story. And Maggie, even the sense, even the fact that she didn't really register for you. Yeah. To me, I'm like check okay that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the first good sign right you know you're doing sam right when you're mm-hmm. far enough in the background to look like a non-entity right so, so like that's in. that's a good that that that's a good foundation to start from so i i'm i'm, I'm ready i'm ready to build on that foundation now cool. and see her go uh you know go in a in a in a, in a, in a gamgean uh direction Generally speaking, again, not, I'm not ex- expecting an exact parallel. We're not talking about like I'm expecting them to do here to the Lord of the Rings what like the Force Awakens did to the original Star Wars, right? I'm not talking no, about those kinds of parallels, yeah. but but there's also a, a lot of like you know film study stuff about how the scientific is portrayed and how they're shot and how they're clothed. Like I hadn't even registered her, so like yeah. I know I have to go rewatch episodes one and two again <laughs> and and see if there's anything special about Poppy stuck in there, and we'll do as we move forward. She also quoted Sam Gamgee. Poppy did. What'd she say? When they went, when they when they go into, I only noticed this on the fourth time I watched it. Um, when they uh, go to the when they get to the blue the blackberry patch at the beginning, yeah. she says "glory and splendor," which is a Sam Gamgee quote. Uh, Just saying. Just saying. They would not yeah. have done that by accident. I know, I know. That's, a, that's why. That's when I. That's when I was like, okay, I'm watching you, Poppy. Like I am. I am. Like uh, JD and Patrick, if you're watching. That's it. I'm. I'm. I'm good. It's like. Poppy is my oh. vessel of hope. <laughs> for, for, yeah. for this show, so we're gonna see. Um, oh, interesting. But uh, yeah. Oh, Justin. No, you're absolutely right. I'm not saying I think that, like there, there are a lot of contrasts in her character, like with Sam's. Sam, we see Sam's curiosity about the world, his connection to old tales, his delight in elves and desire to see elves. I, there's I, there's none of that in Poppy, right? Um, so no, no, no. I'm not trying to say they're the same character. Um, what I'm, but what what I do see is is a parallel, right? You know that like what I'm hoping is that Poppy is going like that Poppy will be to Nori what Sam was to Frodo like Uh that, that she's going to be that same kind of humble supporting character who will also what I was again, if I, if I were, if I, if I, I'll just lay all my hopes out on the table, right? What I am hoping is that she is going to be um, like Sam. She's going to, 
what I hope from her is the humility of Sam and the hope of Sam, right? To see her um, be, uh, the, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, um, we'll see. Yeah, no, lots of differences. Lots of, again, and, 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 I, and I love that, right? If they had had, um, you know, like Nori's character, you know, have a servant, <laughs> right? Who is in exactly the, like everyone, it'd be hokey at that point. If yeah. they're just like, if it's, if she's just a rehash of Sam or and Genji, like that's not what I want. And what they almost like said that if it's a soft reboot, no, that's that's yeah. that's not what we mean. It's just yeah, I, I don't want to do just a straight comparison to Jackson, but that's so in the common mindset of these films and yeah. of the books and everything else. It's hard to not, it's hard to ignore it. We have to yeah. at least acknowledge it. So if if we're able to say, oh, that's familiar and that's familiar and that's familiar, but it's not direct, then that feels like really creative and well curated and artistically done, and, and that's nice. So and so it- far. And it gives them the opportunity to do exactly the kind of thing that is so much fun in an adaptation like this, which is to so like they can take some of the elements. And so, again, taking Poppy and Nori, right, they can take some of the elements and themes of the Sam Frodo relationship. Right. And and they can replicate those. But at the same time, they can change the dynamics and the characters in other ways so that other themes uh, from like other characters and other interactions in the Lord of the Rings can come. I mean, like they can basically explore new and different things, um, which still which which can then enable us to sort of look at them. And even I mean, if 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 this parallel that I'm detecting turns out to if, if it does play out. Right. Uh, and if it turns out to play out really interestingly, well, then the benefit of that is going to be um, I, it's going to enrich even my reading of Frodo and Sam. Right. In a way that a mere, you know, uh, Tim, to take your word, a mere retread of Sam yeah. and Frodo would not do. Right. Um, it wouldn't give you uh, this sort of, uh, you know, glimpse from a different angle. I mean, even the gender switching, you know, the fact that these are two female characters instead of two male characters, even that already provides a kind of fresh look at similar some similar you know dynamics you know we, we, it's but it's but it's but it's not the same and that's again that's what's so much fun that's what's so that's what's so rich um and a retread but, uh, would yeah. not have gotten the green light you know if they were right. if they were just trying to retell an old story nope yeah yep yeah, yep yeah, exactly um yeah so uh so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm excited. And, and just you oh, know, to, to oh, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. You finish that. I was going to say we've got 15 minutes left. So we should talk about, Oof. you know, looking forward. To yeah, stuff. we have to. Okay. I was yeah. just going to just and in context, man, I am so surprised at how much I love the Harfoots and the Harfoot stories. So loved it. I, and I, and I, I seriously, like I was, I wasn't, disliking it at first, but I was really like all of the promotional material in advance kind of left me cold. The one thing that I liked about the Harfoots was actually the, the, the Nori's voiceover back from the Super Bowl trailer. I liked the, you know, the, you know, have you ever wondered, uh, thing, right. Um, that, that felt to me really cool. I was, I was really interested in that. Um, but apart from that, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And of course, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Hobbit feet. Still wasn't a big fan of Hobbit feet. Every time I saw them on screen, I was like, eh. But, um, but anyway, like the, yes, the, the film convention of ginormous Hobbit feet, I still dislike. However, um, I, I was like from the moment, 
Um, you know, it's funny. I keep quoting that Amir line from The Two Towers. Like, from the moment they rose out of the grass, I loved them. Um, that's what Amir says to Aragorn. You know, from yeah. the moment you rose out of the grass, I loved you. Um, that's uh, totally, that's like <laughs> totally how I feel about uh, about the Harfoots. And I didn't expect, I was completely taken by surprise by how... Um, how charming um, and endearing uh, and engrossing I found that I found myself wanting to get back to the Harfoot uh, yeah. plot line. Uh, you know, I, in, did, in, I scrolled yeah. through my notes uh, before coming on here that I took at the New York City premiere, and one of the biggest ones I wrote was "I think I love Nori." <laughs> so, right. yeah, yeah, that's definitely getting planted. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's that was and yeah, and oh man, Nori's character. Every time I watch those, especially episode two, I love uh, Nori's character more and yeah. more. I mean, the yeah. uh, the the they have done a marvelous job of depicting um, a a very unusual kind of courage, right? The way that she stands in with the stranger, um, the way she does not back down, um, though she has every reason to, her jumping in to stand between him and Poppy when Poppy comes over the hill. I just, um, I just, I was, uh, I was such a big fan of, uh, of all that stuff. Um, um, yeah, Nick says uh, uh, Nori's actor is spectacular at playing subtle yeah. changes in her attitude under stress. Oh my goodness. Um, I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was, a, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not a good judge of acting performances. Um, it's just not an art form I've paid much attention to, um, really, in my life. Um, uh, so I will often really enjoy characters and performances that people who know more than I think are terrible. Um, but I, I'm easy to please. However, I was, I was, I thought she was wonderful. Um, I was, I was really, really impressed. Um, um, yeah. Lots of comments. That I feel like we should just touch on uh, Theo and Halbrand or two we haven't dug into, and I, yeah. I feel like that is very much somebody said. I wish we had a mug that that's a tomorrow problem. Like, yep, we'll we'll see where this goes. But yeah. I think with both of those, they were just really interestingly seated. Like, there's just some yeah. ideas planted. Although I guess Theo was a little bit more on the nose. Like, clearly this kid is up to no good. Like, some something dark's gonna go down here. Um, but I, I really like the introduction of that and the rebuilding of the sword and the blood kind of leaching into the sword. Oh and, man, the, yeah, the blood being sucked that. up his hand against gravity to the sword. And was everyone's going, so... no, 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 are that I expect to see several things from the the Tirharad plotline, right? Um, there were obviously at ground zero of the rise of the establishment of Sauron's power. Um, I always knew and believed that the establishment of Sauron's power and therefore like his relationship with the people of Harad um, was always going to be a, a, a major element of season one, right? That when we see... because. There are a whole bunch of questions which Tolkien never answers, certainly not in the text of The Lord of the Rings, right? But which I expected this show to attack, right? And one question is, so what was that like, right? Um, uh, the Easterlings and the Haradrim serve in Sauron's armies. How'd that go down, 
right? Um, why do they serve him? How did they come to serve him? When did they come to serve him? And how did that happen? Um, as Silmarillion Film Project fans know, and I see we've got several film film people here, Nick Palazzo's here, and, and Trish is here. Um, yeah. uh, 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 anyways, I, I, as many will know from the film film experience, um, I'm very interested in that question. We did a whole, we did a whole thing on um, uh, Harad uh, uh, coming to, in the late Third Age, uh, coming to you know, their alignment. Um, and it's one of the places, one of the several places, if I could say with a minor boast that we've, um, uh, clearly anticipated exactly the kind of thinking that they're doing here in the show. Um, there's a bunch of ways in which they are following in the footsteps of the film film project on this show. Uh, and, um, let me just say that the, the slim shady character whom I think we're going to meet more of in episode three, I, I think is going to finally be introduced. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing that based on what we've seen, but, um, uh, that character in particular is very like um, a character that we developed in film film doing a similar thing. So I expect to see the corruption and sort of conversion of of that whole, you know, of, 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 the, of that people as a group. Right. Um, Theo, I expect to be one of the sort of vessels of that, like one of the people like the because, uh, you know, you can't like show compellingly like a whole group of people just sort of changing their mind right we we, we we need like characters who are going to model for us what that process like how do you get from being a human like farmer minding your own business right to like serving in the armies of the dark lord like how does that go down right um, and I think that's clearly one of the things we're going to get in this show is they're going to show us that process um uh, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they do that and how they try to do that. And I think that Theo is going to be um, one of the, the character that we are going to be invited to sort of follow down that path. Um, so that's where I see Theo's character going. But um, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah. Trisha's saying I was thinking yeah. how film film really helped me approach this series. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're asking I'm so sure. many of the same questions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I also yeah. I also feel like that it's such a good exercise that matches so well with like you know great minds think alike. You guys are lining up really well with a lot of things that they have come through because you put a lot of thought into that process. Exactly. It's a little bit better that they have too, and also if you can tie in other minds and hands, I mean you're doing it slightly differently because you're two different sets of minds and hands, so you're right. You're going to interpret yep. it differently as well. I I love that this is happening alongside alongside um, some film that you guys can kind of have this real life experience alongside a real life example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. So Meow is asking about the angry drunk human who confronted oh. a Ron Deer and shattered something. He's, he talked about the, the King returning. Um, the yeah. Um, to uh, double up on the, what we were just trying to cover. If I had to guess, who the king that they're it's possible that that person is making an allusion to Sauron clearly from the trailer we can tell there is some memory of Sauron still in that area um, from the old days presumably of when their culture did serve Morgoth but honestly if I had to guess I think that's Halbrand honestly um, oh. on the raft when Galadriel brings up watch Halbrand when Galadriel says who is your king and talks about reinstating working to reinstate the king right the kind of reaction that he has when she is talking about um, reinstating their king um, I found very conspicuous like this is something that he I, and so and also the way in which he talks about 
um, his, you know, our, our people have no king, right? Felt conspicuous to me. And then... And I would like, go ahead. Go ahead. I would like him to have more of an import than he seems to at first glance, too. Yeah. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, Sorry, and so... And he, and here's the other thing. Um, the moment in, on the rafts when he separates his raft and pushes off from the others in order to save himself and let them die as they're being killed by the worm, which Goadrio calls him on, right? And is like, why did you, you know, leave them to die in order to save yourself? Um, that felt to me like a metaphor for what he's done. Why is he on a raft in the front? Why did he sail away, right? Um, so I, my reading of that is, well, and I'm not saying like, I think this is definitely the case. What I'm saying is it would work really well if what this is pointing to is that Halbrand is in fact like an heir to the, like he knows he is of the line of king. He should be stepping forward and claiming the kingship and helping his people. They're under attack and he's left them. He's pushed off his little raft from theirs and he's left them to die back in the Southlands to go and try to save himself. Um, so that like, you know, we get a little, the, the raft thing's a little synecdoche of what's Ooh. happening with him and that he, when he's going to return with Galadriel, um, and uh, and so I, I think that's my how I was reading the sort of symbolism of episode two was leading me that plus observations of his reactions was leading me to think he's he's probably uh, well, she remember when she was like, is that the crest of your king? And he's like, um, no, uh, no, I think yeah. it's his crest. I think it's I think that that's yeah. like the, the one memory of the th anyway. So that's my um, that's my um. Uh, that's and my I, suspicion. I, and I think this is right up there, again, with, like, no loose ends. It's like, well, no, that all makes sense. And, you know, there's a comment here, might be Theo's dad. I suppose I could see some of that, too. Like, there's, there's Theo's a dad is obviously going to come in. Like, yeah. we have to learn yeah. who Theo's dad is. right? And also, yeah. I, I think this icon said it earlier. Um, absolutely, there has to be a moment where he's going to turn back and you think he's going to choose good, but then he succumbs to the evil, like, Oh, what a wonderful trope that is! And you know, we yeah. hope we have the um, Ben moment where he turns his back on his father. And uh, there's got to be some of that relationship coming, but you know, we're not there yet. Yeah, um, and just very briefly, um, uh, no idea for login uh, on YouTube. Um, was wondering what I think about the theory that Halbrand will be the king of the dead in the future, the king of the Oathbreakers. Um, love it. Love it. I'm not Ooh. predicting it. I don't think we have any enough, anything like enough evidence to suggest that we can say, but I love it. Like if that were to be the guy, I, that's, that's, that's my favorite thing that I've heard suggested about Halbrand. If that happened with Halbrand, I'd be delighted. I'd be delighted. And it would fit very well with him being the king there. And then later on, he, you know, he would be, and he's, he's like uh, being brought in as an ally, right? So it looks like a great thing. So there's this trusted ally, but then in the end, he's going to, you know, turn away and he's not going to support, he's going to betray them in the end and then uh, become the king of the dead. Love it. And it would be fun because it would be like a loophole to my dead or Nazgul game, right? Technically neither, right? Uh, and that would be fun. But anyway, so I, again, I I don't think we have anything like enough evidence to be to to be confident about anything like that. But I do. If I myself had to pick, like if I'm writing this myself, I'm loving that idea. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I think that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um. And Darren, as far as the timeline, I the the main thing that I notice about the timeline, you know, uh, Darren is wondering if he'll be alive long enough. Um. Uh. Yeah. No idea. Um. I mean, I. I they're being very vague 
clearly purposefully very vague about the the timeline. I don't think we can state with any kind of confidence how much time it's going to be between now and the battle and the the the, the war of the last alliance. Um, I feel like all the rules are going to be fluid too. So they, if they're going to compress the timeline, then they've got to be able to use their own rules to do that. So if mm -hmm. they need to change things for something to work out better story wise, right. I think right. that's going to work. So. I would say try to not get too caught up into the details of how long has passed between this event and that event because they're not going to line up. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because if they try to focus on the timeline lining up, then we're going to have a hurt story. Yeah, I mean, if we can draw a conclusion about what. You know, the, the question we talked about many times, uh, or at least alluded to many times, about the time compression. You know, how, you know, we were all wondering about that and thinking about that. My conclusion from the first two episodes is that the answer to the question, how are they going to deal with the time compression, is basically by de-emphasizing it. Like, yeah. like it's by making a non-issue of it. Ignore it and do what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, this the story that they're telling um, is has been just generally ignoring the calendar, like the overall calendar. We're not told what year it is in the second age. And we're not told how much time, you know, passes here or there. Um, and I, I think I'll be okay with that. We'll see if, I mean, there, there will, there may be times when that becomes awkward. Um, but so far I've been, I've been fine with it. Um, it's, uh, and especially again, one of the things that I, um, one of the things that I often say when we're interpreting a work of literature, right, is you have to pay attention to what matters to that story, right? If there is something that bothers you, but like the story doesn't really care about it, right, is not bringing it to your attention, then that issue, that's a you issue, not a story issue, right? Um, if you are obsessed with the tale of years, right? And the chronology of the second age, that's fine. Like that's a, that's a perfectly fine hobby. But if the, if the, if the, if the narrative that we're seeing is again and again, signaling to us as I felt signaled over and over again in episode one, it doesn't matter. It's not important. Yeah. This is not, we're not thinking about that. We're focused on this narrative, yeah. right? And um, I, I think that falls into the same camp of like, if you hate this because the timeline's messed up, then maybe just take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you hate this because the story doesn't make sense or they, you know, ended that character in the wrong way or there are a lot of loose ends, that makes a little more sense because it's not a good story. But if the timeline's messed up and that's what's going to ruin it for you, then just stick to the book. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and the brief reference to that, um, uh, who was it? Uh, to the bottle I go again. Um, the reference to the to the need to have the forge done by spring by Brimbor was the line that jumped out to me hard in that episode. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Whoa, that's strange. That's weird." Now again, I'm like, "Okay, tell me more." Right? Like, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a reason. You're immortal. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's really conspicuous. It's, and and again, this is something that I, I get. I hear people responding to lines like that. And people were saying things like that, like, but elves are immortal. That was a bad line. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. We don't know if it's a bad line yet, why. right? Yeah. We don't know. It. He, they've, they've, they've chosen to emphasize. Let's see why first they emphasize it before we draw any conclusions about it. it was a conspicuous line. Absolutely. Right. But that, ex but, but that, that, that exact kind of conspicuousness, that kind of tension can be one of the things that it, like there, there may be a good reason why they were wanting to draw our attention. It succeeded in drawing our attention to it, 
right? Now we're all wondering why this unexpected um, hurry on the part of Kelly Brimbor. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we have to, maybe we have to, we have to see about that. So, and um, on that note, I'm wrapping you up, Coriel. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of time, <laughs> moving on. But we did have a. There was a question in there about where you can see other stuff. So okay, I'm yeah. Gonna... So let's talk about what's going. What's going on? So first of all, if you haven't seen Rings and Realms yet, you totally should. Right. So go to YouTube, look up Rings and Realms. We have um, our own uh, YouTube channel. We have our own YouTube it. channel for that. Um, so you can see the episode one and two discussion. It's long. Prepare yourself. It's an hour and thirty-seven minutes long. Uh, this is not. Forty-seven. 47? I think so. I can't remember. Maybe. Now. Anyway, it's long. The point is, it's it's long. So, uh, but it's a it's a it's a really good meaty discussion. I had we had so much fun making that. Um, so, first go go watch Rings and Realms. Now, here's the next. We're we're we are now. This is this is the end. Other Minds and Hands brings to an end week one of the Our Rings week. of Power experience, yeah. <laughs> right? So we are now after this shifting to the next to episode three, right? To the next thing. So tonight, of course, the episode drops. The next episode drops. That's going to happen at midnight Eastern time, 9 p.m. Pacific time, 5 a.m. over in the UK. Right. Um, So when that happens, I'm going to I'm. I'm going to be watching it at midnight. Um, so I'm going to hold a Twitch watch party on the Signum U Twitch channel um, where we'll, we'll do a watch party. So you can, you can, if you would like to join me and watch the episode as soon as it drops along with me, we can. I'm not going to talk over it because I'm going to be watching it for the first time. I'm going to be paying attention and I don't want to wreck your experience either. Um, so I'll have my webcam on so you can, you know, you can w- see me when I cry, but, <laughs> but you won't, which I'm sure it's going to happen. It did several times the first time. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I'll have my webcam on. I'll be texting in the chat, but I won't be uh, talking over the show. When the show ends, however, um, I'm I, I, I'm going to want to talk a little bit because, as many of you know, I think with my mouth. So I'm going to and I need to process. Right, I need to process stuff because we have a lot to do. Um, on Friday, um, there are going to be three things happening. Two of which you guys can be a part of. Uh, the first thing that's happening is at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Uh, 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 UK time, we're, Maggie and I are going to be hosting our second Twitter spaces. We are hosting the official after party, uh, the official Prime Video after party on Twitter spaces. So um, we're going to be on Twitter spaces at noon to uh, talk through our initial reactions and tomorrow we are going to be joined by a special guest from the production as well to talk about uh, reactions to episode three and to uh, to address some issues and questions that we've had uh, all the way through. And I know people have been talking about you will notice I'm being coy about this. I was asked not to tell you who it is. Um, it's like well, the surprise. To- it's like the mystery thing we were talking yeah. about. Right. You know, well, and how to join that one. I, I'm new to Twitter spaces, but just follow uh, Tolkien Prof on Twitter and he'll start a space and then you can join it. So if you just yeah. follow him on Twitter, you'll see the party starting and you can click join. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's uh, so. So we'll have our special guest. We'll have some discussion between ourselves. Uh, you know, give our initial reactions to the show. Um, that's at noon, between noon and like twelve forty-five. You can also catch a recording of that. A recording of that will be posted again in my in my Twitter feed so that you can you can see that. Um, um, yes, to the bottle I go. We are actually working on extracting the audio to post elsewhere so that it won't just be an ephemeral blip in my Twitter stream. Um, yeah, there will still be yeah. a singular website for all this stuff to be 
on. So all these things are moving at the same time, but there will soon be a, a single website with all of this stuff and links to all these things and recordings and whatever else. So yes. it's coming. Yes. Now, the second thing that's happening on Friday, um, uh, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern, so right after, pretty much right after Maggie and I are done with our Twitter reaction show, um, on the Twitch channel of Prime Video UK, um, they're starting the official uh, Prime Video watch party for that. That's, as I say, it's going to be hosted on Prime Video UK. I'm not going to be there for the whole time. So there, there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, other people are hosting this. Um, uh, it's the, the, the hosts from Yogg's cast are going to be hosting that. Um, so they're going to be watching it. They will be talking during the show and everything. Uh, but then at the end of the show, when the episode is over, I'm going to come in and have some discussion with them. I did this last week too. I'm going to do this again this week. Um, so I'm going to come in and have some discussion with that. So that'll be happening at like 2 PM ish. As soon as the episode is done. Um, uh, uh, on uh, the Twitch channel, as they say, of Prime Video UK. Um, so that'll be the second thing that's happening tomorrow. The third thing that's happening tomorrow um is that I'm going to be filming the next episode of Rings and Realms, uh, which that you won't be able to participate in right one. away. Yeah. But uh, you will. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, to prepare what you guys will be seeing next week, um, we're going to be uh, uh, we're going to we're going to be filming that tomorrow. So, um, but also this is know why that we, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and from Twitter Spaces and from Twitter and, and comments here and stuff, know that we do look through all those comments. So if there's things that you want to ask about or like scenes you want us to talk about. We'll take all that into consideration. Obviously, there's only time for us to do like one or two <laughs> highlights during these, yeah. these, uh, these shows. But, you know, we, we look at all the questions anyway. Yeah. And Halloween, the idea that the plan is to release the episode on on Wednesdays. That's the that's the goal, though. We do have to understand this is a very quick turnaround for a production like this. And yeah. our production and editing team uh, works <laughs> really hard in long hours. And they're all... And, Volunteers. volunteers yes and the, this is, the screen yeah. is booked out so sometimes Corey's going to be filming like right before the edit has to happen so the plan is wednesday but it might occasionally have to be sometimes day. things change yeah exactly exactly no, i hear the, a baby the... screaming so i think i'm gonna have to run <laughs> <laughs> i should go too um but yeah. anyway so thanks everybody uh, for joining us and we will so much more to come so that's what's happening in the next few days and then of course we'll be back next week uh, for other minds and hands here at the same time 4 and hopefully PM a Eastern. guest for that too we'll, we'll announce yeah we're working on it we're working on a special guest for next week for other minds and hands as well so um should so be much fun. to cover guys so much. exactly lots to talk about anyway thanks everybody and we will see you guys next week bye now bye